Good morning. Hello. All right, Crystal, are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, good morning. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm good. How are you? Good. It's a beautiful morning. I drank my coffee outside and yeah, it's been really nice. Nice. Well, I'm here at Simple Teas. I'm getting me my cold brew coffee this morning. Oh, that sounds good. I know. Yeah. So what are we talking about today? Well, kind of like a recap from what we had yesterday. So kind of hone in more on, uh, make sure I'm not losing myself here. <laughs> Are you still there? Are you there? Yeah. I okay. don't know what happened. It cut out. Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> Technology is amazing. Yeah. So I guess we'll just uh, kind of recap of yesterday and talk about exit strategies and um, resources and that kind of thing. Yeah. That sounds like so a plan. Tell me about how you, did you make a plan? Did you have a strategy to get out or did it, how did that work out for you? Um, so the last time, the last time I had to leave in a hurry and escape from him, my first, <coughs> excuse me, the kid's dad. Um, like I said, he was in Rhode Island. It was right after 9-11. Uh, a lot of things were, I don't even know how to explain it. Um, I lived out on five acres. I had nobody around me. I remember one night, I'll never forget it. I had money. First of all, hold on. I had money stashed in between my mattresses. Mm -hmm. My bed was pushed clear up against the wall. So the only person making the bed or cleaning the house was me. He was oblivious right. to whatever I had done. I mean, he was barely home. If he was home, he was with the couch or just outside doing whatever. So right. never really around enough to pay attention. Um, one night, I remember our trailer. I mean, I don't know if you've ever lived anywhere where it floods or whatever, but trailer houses in Texas are built up. Almost to where you can like clearly almost walk underneath of them because of the right. floods and stuff. So you can imagine then the trailer is almost at chest height. The windows to your trailer are clear up there. You can't even reach them unless you're on your tippy toes. If you're six foot, you're lucky you can reach them with your palm. They're um, kind of like stilt, stilt homes, right? Kind of like stilt homes, yeah, but trailer houses aren't on stilts. They're just like brick layered underneath. Like right. they put all these bricks under there and then they brace them down with six foot poles to hold it steady. Right. Um, but I, I don't know how, but I'm in the, I remember being in the living room and it was dark outside. It was probably about nine or 10 o'clock at night. The kids were already asleep. And I hear this knock, knock, knock on the window. Oh, 
And I'm thinking, God damn, the only way that you can get on the like up there to my window is if you're standing like in the bed of a truck. How the hell are you in the bed of a truck behind my house? And I didn't hear it. Right. And it's 10 o'clock at night. It's 10 o'clock at night. So you would see, first of all, you would have to have headlights on because you don't know what's around the backside of a house. And he got dressed up in, I mean, mind you, we're all ready for bed. All of a sudden he comes out and he's got his camo gear on because he's always, he was always into like camouflage and mountain gearing and whatever, mm -hmm. um, even though he's the size of a bean pole. Um, and he's like, I'll be right back. And I'm like, where are you going? He goes, well, I don't know what that noise was, but nobody should be around the backside of the house. And I'm like, you're in camouflage. Like, what the hell? Why don't you just go out there in your fucking pajamas? Like, what is wrong with you? Why right. did you have to get dressed up? So I'm thinking he's walking around the, the house trying to find out what's going on. This asshole, whoever knocked on the window was trying to get his attention. He left for two weeks. No phone, wow. no phone call, no, not, like disappeared two weeks, poof, gone. So I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to sit out here on five acres by myself and have no idea what the hell is going on here. Right. So I, at those two weeks, I, I had called my mom. I had told my mom, I have everything packed and ready to go, but I don't have a car. Because he took the car. And he had no idea about this. He had, he had no idea that I was packed and ready to go. None. Yeah. Um, I locked all the windows. I locked the doors. Cause like I said, I don't know who was trying to get in, get in or get his attention or what, but I was like, who's dumb enough to come out here at 10 o'clock at night. I don't have a gun. I have no weapon. I have nothing. I'm a, I just had C-sections. I, Cannot fend for myself, pretty really. I mean, I could yeah. if I had to. I'm nice. <laughs> Spatula. <laughs> I make right, kids yeah. run with those. But I mean, I really didn't have anything. So I did. I felt very vulnerable and scared. So I called my mom and I. I said, you know, I have. I have to get out of here. And she said, Well, do you want me to come and get you? And I said, Let. Let me get everything tied up here in my end. And then I will let you know when you can come and get me. Um, I remember locking the doors, locking the windows and stuff every night. And I'm a heavy sleeper. I probably shouldn't put that out there on this broadcast, but I'm a very heavy sleeper. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember waking up one morning and the Texas, you know, you have to have tinfoil or, or some kind of film over your windows because of the heat. So the tinfoil was completely up above the window. The window was slid open. The couch was pushed out. And I was like, what the hell is going on? He broke the window to get in so he could sleep. So he was sound asleep on the couch. He didn't hear me. He didn't hear the kids. Nothing. I, and this was probably about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning when I woke up because I had to feed Abby or Lily at the time. And... I gathered all of the stuff that I had boxed up, put it in the car, slapped the car seats in the car, and off I took. Oh, wow. And how were you feeling? Were you like, 
Were you scared? Were I was you, scared. Yeah. I was very scared. I was, I was shaking. I remember, I didn't know back then what anxiety was. All I knew is that I had that inside shake. Right. Like my insides, not my arms, not my hands, not my legs. I was like shaking, trembling, like tremors. I was insides were shaking. Right. Yeah. And I remember thinking, okay, I have $4,000 in cash on my person right now in case a tire blows, in case something, you know, my car overheats or whatever. And that was probably May of 2001. So yeah, uh, I made my, made my exit strategy. I just didn't know exactly when I was going to be able to actually like go, but I knew once I had the opportunity, I was out. Yeah. Yeah. And I stayed in hiding with my parents for five months. Cause you know that, I mean, come on, 2001, nobody had, we had cell phones, you have cell phones, but when you're poor and you really don't have the means for one, you really didn't have one. Right. It was, yeah, it wasn't at that time. It wasn't like now where everybody has a cell phone. doesn't matter who you are. Yeah. Right. Then it was like a luxury. Now it's a necessity. Right. Like your car, you, you either have a car or you have a phone. Like you have both nowadays. Um, so I have a question for you. Was this like planned for a while or was it like, I got to go now type of thing? Did you have, I mean, obviously in the back of your mind, you knew you wanted to leave, but did you have this planned out or was it just like, now's my opportunity type of thing? I knew that he had a battle with drugs. Um, I knew that when he was off to work and I was collecting his checks I and mean, he would get his per dim in New York, Rhode Island, where he was at, but I was getting his actual paycheck. So I was taking care of all the bills and everything. And I was putting money in the bank. But at the same time, I was taking at least two or $300 every time and hiding it. Yeah. Um, I knew I don't know, you know, you just kind of live in a life where it's been a rocky road for, it was, what, 1999 when I had Seth. It was 2000 when we moved to Texas the first time, and then he was gone for two weeks. I had no diapers, no food, no nothing. Luckily, I'm breastfed, so he always ate. He didn't, I didn't have a problem feeding him, but... Um, he came home one morning and he was like, or I'm sorry, not home. <laughs> we were living in a shack with no bathroom, no shower and no kitchen. Oh my gosh. Okay. So it was just this storage, like a storage container, storage unit that right. his dad made into a room that had yeah. air conditioning. It just, there was, and it had electricity, but there was nothing, no running water, no bathroom, no nothing. It was just a room. Oh, wow. Um, and I was new. I was new to the whole surrounding. I was new to everything. I didn't know his stepdad, really. I didn't know his brother or his family. I barely knew his mom. Um, so I'm in this shack with a five-month-old who is learning to crawl and needs diapers and stuff. And I'm like, I don't. I'm 20 at the time. And I'm thinking. Oh, no, I'm 19. 
Because I'm like, what the hell am I supposed to do with now? So me feeling unsafe, um, not secure, not well taken care of. Um, at that point, we had jumped from his grandma's house to his cousin's house to his brother's house, then to his stepdad's house. Right. So with the five month old, I, it was like, I'm, I'm not used to that. I want a house of my own. I want to have my own things. I want to do my own stuff. I don't want to have to walk on eggshells to make sure that I'm not pissing off the person I'm living with. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So when he finally moved into that shack and we were, I mean, I'm sitting in my massage room and I'm like, yeah, about the size of the shack. (laughs) It's crazy. (laughs) But, um, I'm, I, uh, I think then I knew that this was going to be a continual routine, sorry. And when I had Lily, I was like, now I have two kids and I cannot do this anymore. I have to stop doing, I have to stop having this continual pattern where every six months he fucks up. I leave and then I go back to him. Yep. Yep. And that, and it is, it becomes a pattern. It does. It's a, it's a vicious cycle of I'm strong enough to do it by myself, but I don't really want to do it by myself. And if it's, it's easier when they don't, when you don't have kids with them, it's so much easier. You just pick up and leave like whatever. When you have kids and I'm born and raised in a Christian background and an atmosphere where you're like, you make it work. Your vows, even though I wasn't married to him, but common law, you still believe that, you know, it's for better, for worse, and you work right. it out. And that's so, exactly how I felt, too. And we didn't have kids together, and it was still right. incredibly hard. But, like, I felt that way, too, because we were engaged at one point, and I was thinking, okay, if I've already decided to spend the rest of my life with this guy, then I need to treat it like I am married. Right. So, and yeah, you, and it's hard. Why, why the hell do we think like that? Why do we, why are we programmed and to think like, okay, I know that living together is a learning process. You know, we have to learn how to get along with, learn how to live together. Right. You know, did their mom teach them how to pick up their clothes and, and cook and do laundry and, you know, take care of the house if there's plumbing issues or wiring issues or whatever. While we take kids and make dinner and cook and clean and do laundry, you know what I'm saying? Like what? So we're programmed not only to do that; they're programmed to do that too. But it's like when you get into a relationship, you learn how to work with each other. And sometimes I think in our minds, women's minds, we are the mother mind. So we're like, right. "Don't worry, I got it. Don't worry, right. I got it. Don't worry, I got it." Well, how many don't worries I got it and how many bags and hats are you going to wear before you go? Yep. I had just fell over. All of my hats just fell off my head. Yeah. And I feel mm-hmm. like sometimes it, and I can't say for everybody, but for me with two kids, I didn't want to feel like a failure. Right. I didn't want to feel like I, it was so easy for me to get up and run away. Like I have kids. <clears throat> But then I know my mom like, probably, probably hindsight 
is, is telling you like you, you were successful by doing that. You didn't fail. Like you would have probably failed them if you stayed, but right. in and the moment that- you're thinking, I don't want to be a failure if I leave, you know? Yeah. And that's exactly what I was saying. So, I mean, I don't know. I can't, I can't speak for everybody, but I do know that, you know, when you have kids in relationships, the last thing you want is people going, oh, well, do they have separate dads? Right. Are they all the same dad? Yeah, they're all the same dad. I mean, I even tried to go to church. Yeah. I was like, I need something. I need prayer. I need help. Born and raised in a Christian community, I thought, well, what better place to go to get, um, you know, reach out to people. Right. A way to hopefully feel better about myself. Oh, my gosh. At that point, I had three kids, and I walked into that church, and everybody stopped and looked at me. It was like, like, where's your, where's your dad? And that was the last time I set foot in a church. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I was like, I am not going to do that. I went. I went there probably three times and finally one of the older ladies came up to me and she's like do they all have the same dad and I'm like yeah of course at this time I'm 25 Abby wasn't even a year old I don't think I'm like yeah they have the same dad well how come he doesn't come here with you well it's none of your business so, well, I don't know. Do you want me to give you the phone number and you can call and ask him? Right. Like, I don't know why he doesn't come here. I, I guess that's on him. So, yeah, I mean, I tried. I tried to reach out and get help. And, you know, kind of like we were talking about yesterday afterwards. You literally feel crazy half yeah. the time. Yeah. You know, am I the problem? Maybe yeah, so you try to fix yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those, those ladies and men listening, the moment you start questioning yourself, like, am I really the problem? Am I really that hard to get along with? Am I, if I just be quiet, maybe they'll this. Those are reprogramming mechanisms we have. Right. To appease the other person and to make them feel like, you know, they don't have to argue with you. They don't have to fight with you. You know, so it's exit strategies you absolutely have to have, especially, especially when, you know, um, sorry, I just got a huge distraction. I got to keep my mind together. If you don't, if you don't have one, if you don't plan an exit strategy and you just plan on staying there, make sure the person that you're willing to stick it with, stick out with, and be there with, is willing to do the same thing and go get help. Yeah. If not, please make that exit strategy. Please think about your well-being, your health, your mental well-being. Like I said, when you start questioning yourself, if I just be quiet, they'll like me. If I just don't laugh as much or laugh as loud or try so hard, maybe they'll like me. Right. When you yeah, have... I think it's a... Sorry, Sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. 
<laughs> I was just going to say sometimes like if you can create an exit strategy, then that's your best option. If you're in an unsafe position, that's like life-threatening, then sometimes it's not an option. Um, but right. something that people can do is <clears throat> like we talked about yesterday, always have a go bag, just a couple pairs of clothes, you know, your tooth, an extra toothbrush, um, whatever you would need, anything you need for a, a couple nights, at least mm -hmm. hide the bag. And then it's available as any time of the day or night. If you aren't in life-threatening situation, then it's good to have at least one person, you know, like um, a parent or a best friend or somebody who's your like number one support, who doesn't judge you, who is, is going to be able to be there for you, um, you know, drop everything and help you if you need it. And then just come, come up with a plan. Sometimes it doesn't happen overnight. Mine took four months, five months. Mm -hmm. But I had a plan, you know, I was setting back money, I was doing things that was out of my moral code, but I, it was what I had to do. And you save back money if you can, you know, for me, I bought a house without him knowing. And the night before I left, I, I had just put an offer on this house on Wednesday. And then Friday, we got into a huge argument. So I really wasn't supposed to close for another 30 more days. And we got into this big, huge argument and I was not safe on that Friday night. He, um, wiped, I think, I think because he started to get an idea that I was trying to leave, but I'd never said anything about it. So we got into an argument and he kept saying, you know, I know you're about to leave me. So I don't know if he was going through my phone. I don't know if, I don't know how he knew or if he was just saying that to get me to admit it. Um, but I never admitted it. And he wiped out all of our bank accounts. We had a shared bank account for the business and we had a shared personal account. He wiped out all the money, transferred it online to his personal account. So thank God I had money of my own because hmm. then I really would have been screwed. Yeah. But the very next day I had texted my mom and dad that night on Friday night and said, tomorrow's the day, bring a U-Haul, you know, whatever. So, you know, sorry about the last minute thing, but they were there Saturday morning at I think nine 30 or 10 AM with the police. Um, and with like six or seven people that I hadn't even ever met who all had my back and helped me get all my stuff in the trailer and the U-Haul where I needed it to be. And I just moved in with a friend for three weeks until I closed on my house. So that definitely, that part of it wasn't planned. That was the like emergency exit. But my, my plan that I had created was to buy the house, move out, you know? So I think the the biggest thing is always have your go bag and always have at least one person that you can reach out to and is going to be there for you that knows what's going on. They know your plan, you know, whatever, but it's just important that if you're trying to get out, you create that exit strategy and you stick to it. Mm -hmm. Whatever is going to be best for you. Like I said, unless, unless you're in a life threatening situation, Leave you know, everything. Shelters. Yeah. Leave it all. It's just yeah. Your yeah. life can't be replaced. 
Yep. And that's one thing yeah. that I want to say too is, you know, I learned the last time I left the, the kids' dad was materialistic shit, leave it. Leave yeah. it. Yeah. My life is worth more than a couch, than a table, than a damn toothbrush I can get at the dollar store, than a bed that yeah. I can get replaced. You can replace those things. You physically cannot be replaced. I actually have goosebumps right now. Like, right. Yeah. That is one thing that I took away from all of this. He took my BMW. He took the furniture. He had four, he had two vehicles. He had a dirt bike. He took all of it, left me with the kids with nothing. I had no car, no house, no nothing. I didn't yeah. care. I didn't care. My kids were safe. I was safe. And I knew that I could rebuild. Yeah. And I did. And I didn't care. Um, so, yes, having, a to, having something to grab an emergency and go is great. Yeah. I, I, at some point, I didn't have my mom and dad. I didn't even have friends. I mean, as a stay-at-home mom, you're a stay-at-home mom. Yeah. The person you know the most is the person checking you out at Walmart. <laughs> like, right. And even those people really aren't there for you. But at the end of the day, your sanity, your safety, your value your children is worth so much more. Yeah. Anything that that house has got in there. And besides yeah. that, if you stay and he leaves, all you're left with are fucking memories. Yeah. And those and memories are shit. I don't know how it is in Texas uh, where you were when you left, but <clears throat> in Missouri, the police came when I was trying to leave just as a civil standby and they yeah. told us that and obviously Kyle was pissed like he was mad he was throwing things he you know he was being spiteful whatever and that's to be expected but mm -hmm. in Missouri if you um, have a civil dispute over belongings so let's say I said that um, the bed was mine right right if he said no I want to keep it I couldn't say anything about it so what he was did was yeah. Yes. And I was the one leaving. And what, so what he did was he was just super childish about stuff. So he, there was a towel that he liked, like a back towel. And he's like, I want my towel. Where's my towel? You know? And it's just like, I don't give a shit about your towel. Just take it, you know? And he, he kept my luggage from when I was a, a child. And um, he's like, no, I want to keep them. They're pink. They're pink luggage bags why do you want them only because he was being spiteful you know right. so there was a lot of things that that were important to me that he kept because he was just being an ass but at the same time it in that moment it didn't even matter it was like yeah i i'm just ready to go Sometimes you know you just get the cord what's yeah. more important to you yeah you know, i've lost a lot of valuables over the course of 12 years that i was with him and I've had the kids' first Christmas ornaments, Christmas, uh, first birthday presents, first everything burned. Burned. Oh, wow. My cheerleading uniform, my awards, my certificates of completion, my um, scholarship letters that I had saved, burned. Mm. You know, I mean, I didn't, it hurt at 19 to lose all of that 
and 20 to lose all of that, 23 to lose all of that. But at the same time, it was like, I'm dumb enough to keep putting myself in this position. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, you kind of get what you get at that end of the day. But when you leave, you have this huge weight lifted off your shoulders. Like it's, it's a weird feeling because you're scared as shit. Oh, you have no idea what's going to happen, what's next. And I don't know about you, but I don't do well when I'm in limbo. If I don't know what's going to happen next, I, I just, I don't do very well. But at the same time that you're so scared, like more scared than you've ever been in your life, then you also feel this huge weight lifted off your shoulders. Like you can breathe again, you know, like who cares if I don't know what's coming next, I'm going to, I'm going to do it by myself. And I don't have anybody pointing their finger in my face, telling me that I'm doing it wrong or that I need to do something different or that, you know, anything like that. Right. I saw something on Facebook yesterday. that kind of made me giggle. It's um, and I'm sure a lot of people have seen it now. It says, yes, when one door closes, another one opens. But the hallways are scary as shit. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I will say this. So you have your exit strategy. You have your to-go bag. You have all your stuff, right? And in your mind, you're like, but what next? Yeah. But what next? Where am I going to go? How am I going to become me? How am I going to pay the bills? How am I going to live? Where am I going to go? Who am I? What am I going to do? Let me put this out there. The universe is huge. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of people that you're going to meet. There's a lot of help out there that you don't even know exists until you go. Right. I and was, don't be afraid to ask for help. Mm-hmm. No. Because yeah. once you start telling people your story, even though you're embarrassed, you'll be surprised how many people actually go, you know what? I have a couch. I have a bed. I have a a dresser, I have a TV. Let's get you into a place. Yeah. Um, for those of you that don't know, uh, there, your system, the system, the government, the system has a mm-hmm. lot of help for moms. A lot. Um, free housing, free food, um, TANF, Medicaid. They will help you get on your feet. They will, there are, um, workforce centers in every single county of where you live that will train you, educate you for a job. Um, They also have clothing for you. So if you need an office suit or you need a, you need to look the part for um, an interview, they will, they will put all that together for you. There's a lot of things out there. You just have to learn to go to your health and human services and ask. And don't be ashamed of it. For me, I was so ashamed to ask for help. And like, do I need, you know, do I need government medical care or do Mm -hmm. I need whatever from the government? I fortunately had saved up enough money over time that I didn't, but I know in my mind, I was ashamed if I would need it. And there's no reason for that because it's only temporary. Well, and Mm -hmm. as a young adult, even if you have kids, I was 18 when I had my son. I didn't even know food stamps existed. Right. I knew Medicaid because that's what they put me on while I was pregnant because I was underage. And my dad's ins- my mom and dad's insurance wouldn't cover me because I had emancipated myself. Mm-hmm. My living situation with my parents 
was horrible. I hated my dad. I love my dad because he's my dad, but I hated my dad. So I didn't know any of that until I had Lily, my second. And then I went to the birthing unit and I learned, you know, all kinds of other, uh, what is it called, Lamaze? Because <laughs> I had had a C-section. I was going in for a V-back. So I went and did Lamaze again. And I went to meet other moms too, just to kind of get out and away. Mm-hmm. And my cousin-in-law was there with me. And she was the one that was like, you need to get on a food stamp. What the hell is food stamp? I don't even know what that is. Right. So I got on Wick because I knew Wick does peanut butter, rice, milk, eggs, and cheese. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, cool, we'll eat beans and rice for the rest of our lives. Like, I don't care. I can get very creative. Right. Try me. <laughs> and if anything, if you are in a, like, a life or death situation, grab your go bag, whatever time of the day or night. And if you don't yeah. have a car, walk or call someone, whatever, drive your car straight to the police station. They'll assign oh you my a gosh, case yeah. worker. You know, yeah. like if you don't have a plan at all, but you know you have to leave, just go to the nearest police department and they'll get you a caseworker. They'll give you resources. They have all kinds of like avenues that you can take, women's shelter, whatever. But it, that can be your first step is just going to the police department and they will help you from there. And you'll feel yeah. a lot safer, you know, because you know that you, you know that the police department is going to protect you. Well, and sometimes your police are part of the problem too. If you married to a police officer who abused yeah. you. Right. But I mean, I have, be- I have one of those in my life right now. I'm, I'm working with her to get way, get free and, I'm, I'm hoping within the next couple months she can actually get out. Yeah. Safely. But yes, your police officers are there for a reason. If for whatever reason you cannot get to a police department, there's a place called CASA. C-A-S-A. Oh my gosh, I was about to say that. <laughs> yep. And yeah. CASA, you know, it's a child, um, it's a child center that does mediations for your children for the significant other. Um, and then there is the Children's Advocate Center. Like, I know CASA kind of sounds like that would be it, but then there's an also one that um, I used to live right next door to one in Montrose, and I can't remember what they're called, but they help troubled kids. Mm-hmm. And they're like a counseling session. So it's like the Child's Advocate Center there. And then there's a lot. Oh, God, there's a lot. Um, the Goodwill, believe it or not. The Salvation Army and the Goodwill. Oh wow! Yes, they actually. Yep. So they actually will help moms, single parents doesn't matter, single parents pay for the first and last on an apartment. Those are things mm-hmm. that people don't tell you. Also, if you need a greyhound, let's say that your exit strategy. You're in New York. Your family is like. Idaho. Okay, I don't know. Just picking states. And you don't have a car that's going to make it from New because people in New York don't really have cars. But if you live in New York and you have to get to Idaho, go to Salvation Army, go to Goodwill. They'll help you pay for a ticket. Wow. Greyhound. Yes. Yes. Huh. I have learned so much. Churches. 
Yeah, churches. For I don't sure. even care. If, yeah, I don't even care if you're a part of a church. Churches will help you. Right. Churches, some churches have safe houses. Some churches yeah. have extra housing. Some churches have bedrooms in their church. Like, it's just, don't ever feel like, I don't have a mom and dad to turn to. I don't really right. have a best friend because he's ran them all away, which I've been there. Yeah, I was um, there. You know, I mean, you just, your instincts are going to start picking up. And as soon as you're like, yep, I can turn here and I can turn here and I can get $100 from here and $100 from here, that's $200. Yeah. I need another $100 for um, food for the week that I'm going to be on this train, on the plane or whatever. And you just go. Yeah. I know my dad's a pastor and I know that um, sometimes people will come in like if they're homeless or if they're trying to get out of a um, horrible relationship or whatever, they'll pay for one or two nights at a hotel. And a lot of times they'll pay for, you know, a bag or two of groceries, but the church pays for it all. They'll put you up in a hotel for a couple nights. Yep. It gives you time to figure out your next step. Um, yeah. So there's a whole load of options that you have. Yeah. A lot. So, you know, like, please don't worry about, you know, your clothes, your shoes, your expensive belt, whatever. It's money. Your life is worth more than money. Right. And if you're Your in a situation where you're still, if you're still unsure, like, you know, you want to get out, but you're not sure how, and you didn't hear any options, um, during this podcast that you thought would work for you, just reach out to one of us or both of us, and we can help mm -hmm. you figure out some options. Absolutely. We are both here. Um, I live in Colorado Springs. I've got a lot of, um, avenues here in Colorado that I can lead you guys to if you're here. Um, I know New Mexico, North Dakota, Minnesota, um, Utah, Arizona. Um, so at Texas is another one that I, I'm familiar with too on how it works and where to go. So mm -hmm. please don't feel like, you know, there's not any help for you. Right. We are here. So, yeah. Um, and then tomorrow we're going to talk about red light and green lights, um, what those mean and how to acknowledge them, how to avoid them. And yeah, so hopefully, you know, I'm thinking about making a Facebook Facebook page specifically for this podcast. So if we do have listeners that want to interact, we can also go through there too. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. Well, All thanks, right. Fallon. This was a really good talk today. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I did too. I hope we helped a lot of people today and hopefully everybody can kind of see the light at the end of their tunnel. And if you guys yeah. have any questions, please reach out. Um, and I think on the Facebook page, we should put some um, emergency lines on there. Thing. Yeah, that'd be, that's a great idea. Okay. Right. So we'll, we'll have wings and stuff on tomorrow. Facebook. Yes, ma'am. 9am. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right. I'll talk Bye. to you later. Yes. Bye. Thank you for listening to coffee. Have a good day. Bye. Bye.